Thank you for listening to this episode of Courtside Indiana Podcast. Please hit the subscribe or add button on your podcast app to get them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. As always, we'd appreciate our rating and review. And you can reach us directly on our Courtside Indiana Twitter at CourtsideIND. Welcome to Courtside Indiana Podcast, episode 121. I'm Jim Reamer. Zach Tyler's on vacation. He did not watch any basketball this weekend. He didn't even watch the streams, which that's fine. Everybody needs everybody needs time away. Uh, I probably did the opposite. I went to a game and then spent most of my time watching the streams while I was at the game. So I'm not exactly sure how productive, well, maybe productive. Joining me, joining me is Chris Spillman. He uh, does a lot of work f- for us, a uh, good set of eyes for us and helps with the fall league. And we are, uh, we may get a visit from Nick Baumgart. He's an hour behind us. So um, I'm not sure what his, what his schedule is, but he, he's got the link to join us here. So hopefully he'll pop in. I know he was watching games yesterday. Chris, how are you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm well, man. We're, we're in the thick of basketball. We are the end of high school basketball, the start of AAU. So we are, I mean, I can't, you know, this is prime time for me and uh, everybody else that uh, does the stuff that we do, I guess. But um, I know I'd rather have kids still playing, um, but but this late in the game, it would, it would be inevitable that these guys were, you know, getting beat you know, or losing to other teammates. So, but there were good games yesterday. I was up at Elkhart and really spent a lot of time watching the streams. Um, I had, uh, I went up early so I could get there and watch, watch the, at the, the, the one o'clock and three o'clock games on stream and got most of that done without dri- having the drive. So I got a chance to watch more basketball than I thought. I, I guess that's because I was, Really, the, the, the Elkhart semi-state was the only one where both games were, like, super appealing, at, at least in terms of just kids I needed to see or kids I didn't versus kids I didn't need to see and, and, and matchups, too. So, But then I was also very interested in both 4A games and the other the other 2A games. So what uh, – your impression you, – you watched the Lafayette since – we'll start at 1A. You watched the Lafayette Central Catholic Gary 21st Century game for the most part, correct? Yep, for a good, uh, good chunk of the second half especially. And I, I saw the segment in the first half where Ashton Williamson was completely going bonkers. And, and really nothing that happened during that stretch wasn't – was basically everything that, everything that happened in that stretch. Let me just take the positive route. Everything that happened in that stretch was basically the direct result of his usage, whether it would be scoring or assisting, obviously creating offense from defense with steals, um, rebounded well. He just was – he was everywhere. And I, I'm assuming um, that his play continued. But I, I'm not completely surprised that LCC won. But we certainly didn't predict it, and we certainly, certainly didn't expect it. What, was, what were some of the impressions you were left with on that game? Yeah. Yeah, it seemed like I I really thought Gary 21st century was going to win going into the fourth because I think they were up by a little bit. I don't remember how much exactly, but in the fourth quarter, they were just making – they weren't making their shots, and then LCC was just kind of chipping away slowly, and then 
just at the end there, just they just made a few more winning plays, and they had a Gary Twenty First Century had a decent look to uh, tie it and then hit it. So, but it was, but I think that the two, uh, the t- they're coincidentally the two best players for LCCs. Both their names are Clark um, Obermiller and Barrett, but both of them I thought played really well inside, and I think that was kind of where they won the game was kind of in the paint. Um, just making finishes and things like that. Barrett played really well. And then the uh and then Gary 21st century, their perimeter deep or their paint defense was a little bit lacking in the fourth quarter too. They were getting a little tired. And yeah, and Williamson, he was he looked really fantastic. He was I was really impressed with his driving ability and him getting steals that contained the whole game and they looked really good. But well, both teams look good, but LCC just made a few more winning plays to get it done. So but yeah. I also I also saw the Obermiller dunk in the first half. Yeah, that was, was. I think that surprised everybody. Yeah, he was. I mean, he took a fall. He was, all, but he was all smiles when he popped up. Which you know, as long as you don't get seriously hurt in situations like that, I guess I probably would be too. Yep. Never really having dunked on a real goal, <laughs> wouldn't know what that's like. Would not know what that's like. Did either one of us? I I say I asked. I'm not sure why I'm asking for you or about me, but. I really didn't watch much of the North Davies Jackson Dell game. Um, I, I think mostly because I was I was honed in on um, Beach Grove and Sullivan for the most part at one o'clock. Did you get a chance to watch that game? I I watched about a minute of it, and it I didn't really catch too much off of it. I just saw North Davies was up by like thirteen points, and not nothing much really happened. I watched it besides. Jacksonville hit it, hit it too, but it looked, it looked like they had a great crowd there. That's what I noticed at least. I think, yeah, I think everybody had good crowds and that's, you know, that was the one, that was one takeaway um, from, from basically all the, uh, oh no, at four o'clock I was focused in on, well, for, yeah, four o'clock I was watching Central Noble, but really I was watching the end of the Kokomo Chesterton game. That it was amazing how late, that game went and that game wasn't over until four. Um, wait, what am I thinking? Uh, no, it was, uh, that game didn't start till yeah. like three forty-five, the Chesterton Kokomo game. So that was, that ended up being a little bit, um, a little bit later than the three o'clock start. So I was, I was busy watching that on the stream. I wasn't even really fully paying attention to central noble and Carroll in the first half. But, um, you know, I got I got to see enough of these games to certainly talk about them. But any surprises? I mean, LCC certainly one of them. Any other surprises that, that came across to you? I mean, we're, yeah, we're well, kind of moving moving into like a uncharted or unscripted territory here. But any surprises? I would say Bloomington North find themselves back in the game versus Cathedral. It reminded me. I think the announcer said this too, but it reminded me a lot of the Terre Haute North game um, where Cathedral just looked like they were going to beat the team by 40. And then it just kind of got close and they Cathedral just kind of, they just, it's like they took their foot off the gas pedal and then just kept it off the gas pedal, even when it started getting closer. Um, and that was uh, Bloomington North had a chance to tie it. They missed a uh, Claver missed a three, but they had three guys. Fitch played really well. Um, Marco Fitch and he he was kind of a problem for them in the third quarter. He was hitting pull ups and hit a three. Um, JQ Roberts 
I thought he did a pretty good job defensively. On he mainly guarded Booker. He did a lot better in the second half, and that's kind of he kind of. I feel like they're really good when he's really good, and he Booker was really dominant early on when they were up twenty six to seven, and then he just kind of didn't do quite as much after that. Um, and then Nick Kleiber, he uh, he hit some really tough mid range fadeaways. I think that's kind of his signature shot though, because he did he did them too many times for them to be. Kind of, you know, there and then yeah, Cathedral. Go ahead. No, I was just saying it's not. Yeah, it's not coincidence. He's he's got such strength, and that's a big. You know, that's obviously a big asset for any player. But but you know, he can get. He's not super quick. I mean, he's quick enough, but he's not a guy that relies heavily on quickness. He he relies more on change of pace and his strength, and and he can definitely play through contact and and strong enough to um, change the angle of his shot and, and, and still be consistent. So, you, you know, Cathedral, the, the funny thing was before their game on when, on the stream, they were the keys, to the game sort of one of them was Jekyll and Irish. And I thought that was appropriate because of all the <laughs> sort of the, I don't know, bipolars, you know, you hate to make light of a, of a actual mental disorder, but, but, you know, the, the bipolar nature that they can have sometimes. And I think with, with Cathedral, and it's it's definitely not a specific criticism of them. It's just a criticism of of all teams that are like this. I remember when Anderson back in the 80s were really good, really talented. And what they would often do a lot of times is when they got a lead, they would pull it out and go four corners. And, and they would completely change the way they played and completely go away from how they got their lead. And, and a lot of times cathedrals this way too, where they will, they have to change what they do to sustain possession. So there's nothing there. There isn't much that they do where they can still look to get quality shots without risking. Cause everything is so dribble oriented for them. And there, there's nothing they can do to sustain the clock um, without completely kind of taking the air out. And, you know, sometimes that leads to turnover. Sometimes that leads to, to force shots. Uh, sometimes that leads to making the, the other team's defense only have to make one play, you know, one play per possession is, is not a lot for a team to guard. And, and if a coach can pick up on that, they'll be like, look, we know when they get a lead that, you know, they're going to kind of let us, they're going to kind of keep the door open for us, you know, and, and whereas teams that rely more heavily on off ball player movement, and it's not just sets, I'm talking about like continuity stuff. It doesn't even have to be motion. It could be something as, as, as scripted as flex, you know, a flex offense or, or anything they can do that still lets them get quality looks, you know, that's where, you know, that's where the sometimes the rubber hits the road. And, you know, they've they've had situations where they've had big leads and the other team's been able to chip away. And, you know, and that doesn't account for the defensive end. You know, if they let up if they let up a little bit on defense because they felt like they were in a comfort zone, that how that's that's borderline dangerous right there. And a lot of teams do that. I mean, any any team can do that. So that's that's a game by game criticism that I'm sure they'll you know they'll discuss you know, with their team and, you know, preparing for this week, but, but without question, cathedral, when they get a big lead, they will at some point change what they do because look at that point, the clock is their friend. 
but then when they get out of rhythm, you know, they, they, you know, sometimes it's harder to find the way back to the, you know, the, the good things you were doing. So, so you, you saw the direct example of that by watching, by keeping watch. I mean, I didn't watch the second half of that game because I thought it was over. Same here. So, yeah. and I was, you know, I mean, I was out watching other games. It wasn't like it was, I turned it off and went, you know, you know, shopping or anything. So I just turned my attention to other games. So, uh, you know, Central Noble, Carol, it, it, that was, it was a game I got a chance to watch. And, you know, at that point, you just see the, the difference between the Connor Asijan and everybody else on the floor where he is just, it's easier for him to make plays than everybody else. You know, and he goes out and he has like a 25.10 rebound game. And, you know, he's rebounding well beyond his position. And, you know, and I, I'm not even sure that it, it wasn't like a great, wasn't his best game, like his best shooting performance per se. Uh, there were a couple times where I felt like in, in loose situations or in transition where he, if he would have hit a three in, in those moments that that maybe would have, I don't know that it would have put Carroll out of it by any stretch of imagination, but I think there would have been times where, where you could have sensed that central noble just would have gained momentum and, and those shots just never seemed to go down, but he's still good enough to figure out other ways to score, including getting fouled and, and, you know, rebounding, rebounding on the offensive end. So uh, he just showed the difference between himself and, and, and the other guys, just, which is part of it is his size at six, five as a guard. And the other part of it is just his, his talent and his, you know, shot making all over the floor, not just from the three point line. What other game did you watch? Well, I watched the Kokomo Chesterton game and then the yeah. beach, Grove, the beach Grove solving game too. So, but, uh, I'll tell you about the Kokomo game. That, that that was I thought that was a really good game of action. I was impressed with how well Kokomo's deep bench guys played. DeAndre mm-hmm. Kirby and Brandon, I think it's Brandon Bennett, I believe is his name. Those guys that filled in well. But Chesterton, just at the end, just a few, like I said about one of the games earlier, just made a few more winning plays than Kokomo, and it was it was an, it was a close game for sure. So Bennett had some nice offensive putbacks for them when when Flory Badunga was on the bench with foul trouble. So, and, and that was the thing with Chesterton was there. They, they definitely, you could tell they wanted to go right at Badunga and not be afraid of him. And you can tell that, you know, Grayson, Travis Grayson had no fear of it. Justin Sims really struggled. And that shows the importance of his game, how it has to progress to the perimeter. And it, and it can't just be where he does most of his damage around the paint. I, I like that he took the shots that were open to him. I like that he was willing to shoot those shots. I don't think that he still looked fully comfortable doing it. Um, I don't know if the, it was the, the tightness of the game or just his overall disposition because anytime he was in the paint, he got swallowed up. Uh, he, you know, he, he never quit battling. And, and him and Chris Mullen... I mean, Mullen, I thought was fantastic and their first stretch was keeping them in it. And I, and, but he did pass up a couple shots. I thought he should have taken, but then of course it was Travis Grayson who just refused to let them lose. I mean, he was, and he figured out even as Badunga was back in the game in the second half, he figured out that 
you know, obviously getting to the foul line is every bit as a weapon as just making baskets. And, and they got in a bonus early in the, in the second half. And I think he, he, they spent Chesterton spent the entire fourth quarter on the free throw line. And it, it wasn't like it was a ton of opportunities, but it was whenever they felt like they needed the score, Grayson got fouled. I think he shot 14 free throws, maybe 16 and only just missed one. So he was either 13 of 14 or 15 for 16. I can't remember. That's a big chunk of points when you only score 42 points. Mm-hmm. I mean, if 13, let's say he went 13 for 14, that's only 27 points that aren't free throws. And he wasn't the only one there. You know, there weren't a lot of free throws or there were a lot of field goals in that game. And then Kokomo, of course, the flip was how, how badly they struggled from the line. And you, you got to feel like if they, could have shot even just a little bit of a better percentage that they would have ended up winning that game or at least being in a position where they weren't going to lose it in regulation. So um, Patrick Hardeman hit a big three for them late in the game. I thought that was going to be a backbreaker. And and Chesterton, credit to Kokomo's defense, I, I was surprised that they really couldn't get it going from behind the three-point line. They didn't really look like they had anybody that was – comfortable back there Mullen hit one uh Grayson you can kind of see the the chinks in his armor from a shooting perspective from from that range but you know defensively both teams were stellar and that was and sometimes that can be as as fun to watch as as a a game that's played in in the 60s and 70s so any other impressions from that game anything stand out to you good or bad yeah, I was my first time in a while seeing Grayson play, and I was just – he's just so confident and really has just great composure. And I felt like – and I feel like that was probably – I was just – I was impressed, even though Kokomo lost, I was just impressed with how well they played, even though Chesterton really made – really, I thought, did a great job on Badanga better than some teams have. And I think kind of what you said um, last week, I felt like – even though Kokomo lost, I felt like Chesterton just had to work really hard for all their points. And I think it was a very earned win um, by Chesterton. And they, they're making their free throws. And they just have got a very complete team. And I think I'll be curious to see how they do next week against yep. Cathedral. So, yeah. We, we both were looking forward to Badunga and, Hook, and Booker, right? Yep. <laughs> Definitely was looking forward to that. I, I didn't care. I mean, I, I hate – look. Kokomo, their head coach played for me. So I, I mean, I felt really like I wanted him to win, you know, but it was one of those things where, you know, once Carmel got beat, I kind of wanted to see Chesterton and Cathedral, not thinking that Kokomo would get to that point, but, but they did. So I just was in a position where I just was trying to enjoy the game and, and, you know, you, you feel bad for what happens to somebody, you, you know, you, you kind of want to win, but at the other hand, you also look at how Grayson took control of that game. And, you know, basically pulled victory from the jaws of defeat. So, Beach Grove, Sullivan, what were your impressions of that game? Yeah, I thought it was a, it was a good game. I was impressed with Rocco Rochelle for Sullivan. I thought he hit some tough shots and got that game time layup. Anthony Ball, I thought, looked good before he fouled out. Um, and then I was impressed with Jaleel Edwards for Beach Grove. He was just kind of a pesky guard that just seemed to – get those get some putbacks and drives and he, he looked really good and then I liked Jeremiah Alexander too on Beach Grove he had some nice shots early in the game especially 
Um, and then it was just, it was a good game. It was pretty back and forth. And then just, I feel like it just looked like Solomon was kind of worn out there at the end and Beach Grove had a little more left in the tank. So, because yeah. it's still, Sullivan in the fourth quarter or overtime, just it didn't look like they're getting the shots they wanted to, just kind of settling. So, but yeah. Well, the beach, the beach grow zone was was a problem for them in large part because, you know, when they went man, you could tell Kelly was just they were going to give him enough space to get by his his defender. Now I don't think at any point did he ever blow by anybody, and that was a point I made last week was that Beach Grove's got a couple of bodies out there that they can throw onto people who, I mean, you, you don't want dumb fouls. You don't want silly fouls, but if they were to be guys that maybe picked up a couple of extra fouls, it wasn't going to kill them. But, uh, you know, they were definitely getting great production uh, from Edwards, you know, and, and they were definitely getting, you know, I thought Jeremiah uh, Alexander played really well as well. Um, and then, you know, they got a nice stretch too uh, from uh, Cam Brown. And Rylan Horn, I mean, they had a lot of guys step up. Rylan Horn stepped up for them. When ball went out, they immediately went to Horn in the post, and he he completed a three-point play. Um, you know, Edwards had some nice baskets in transition for them. He and and um, he and Jeremiah Tate both were hounding Kelly at, at you know each at separate times during you know during the game. Uh, always seemed like there was a fresh body on Kelly, and the only time he ever found success was was when they went man. And I, I, I thought that it was, I was, it was, it was said during the telecast that, and I, I agree with them. I was surprised that Beach Grove pulled their press back after the first quarter. I don't know if coach Renfro thought that, you know, another sustained timeout would, would provide, you know, you know, an opportunity for Sullivan to figure out how to beat it, but it was definitely making Sullivan uncomfortable. And again, it's not, They've got a couple of guys who can handle it, but they've also got a couple of guys who can't. And that and it's it's those situations when you can't duplicate, when you can't replicate the kind of quickness that Beach Grove can throw out there in, in a practice. You know, some of those kids who aren't used to playing at, at higher levels, like Randy Kelly will play in the summer. You know, he plays in the summer, so he sees guys like this. He sees other talent that some of those other dudes don't get to see. So when they don't, when they're not used to speed of the game, then that you see what happens there in the first quarter. Beach Grove was able to jump out to a bigger lead, and I don't think it was because Ball had foul trouble. It, it might have been, uh, but but he was definitely from an offensive standpoint not very productive for you know, but for the reasons of foul trouble, um, and and then they had other guys step up, and those those are kids that, I mean, Brown has been Brown was a starter last year for Beach Grove, and he's coming off the bench now. He's probably their best shooter. And, you know, Rylan Horan would have been probably a kid that you would have thought would be a starter this year until ball transferred over from Southport. So they've got much more depth than, than Sullivan. They probably have more depth than Mishawaka Marion, which is who they're going to face in the final. But they're going to find a very different animal in Mishawaka Marion because they, they've got multiple pieces who can, who can, play against that level of quickness and who have a lot of experience playing out against that level of, of quickness. So do you watch much of that game? I watched Marion a little bit. Of, yeah. That Richard Brooks. I mean, he looked pretty, pretty dang good. I saw his dunk. That was something else. And it, it looked, I thought it was going to get closer at the end there, but uh, Mishawaka man just pushed off the, 
come back at 10. But Richard Brooks, he, he looks good. See, that was a game, too, that I did not watch in the second half because of the first half deficit. And Brooks was was Brooks and Sullivan were excellent in the first half. You know, you know Deaglin is a kid that's got a great knack for scoring. He's finding people now. He made some pretty advanced reads off off ball screen action, where he was making blind blind passes to the corner, and and you know to find the open man without I mean like talking about just not even looking at it. And Brooks's ball handling has become so much more fluid than what it was even when I saw him play in the earlier in the year against Westfield. It just looks like he has a, a better handle. And it just every time I see him, he improves a little bit. And I'm still dumbfounded by how Division II schools aren't really latching on to him. He is um, – I'm not going to make the comparison on here because there's a couple of guys that like at UND that have played there that I think that he compares very favorably to. Um, I, th- I think he has the similar body and is just much more skilled and, and much better defender out of the gate. Um, then, 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 um, you know, a couple of the guys I'm thinking of, but, but yeah, he was impressive and, and, you know, Leo, they could not get anything going on the outside. I mean, everything they struggled against Marion zone and that, you know, the twin towers were never really given much room to do much. Although Bontrager had a good game. I think he was double, double, like around 22 points and 12 rebounds, something like that. But yeah, it was just Marion's defense, their zone, and their shot making was absolutely the difference. So, one last game to cover, um, at least you know directly here. Did you see much of Providence Eastern Hancock? Watched, watched a bit. I watched the end of that game, and it was just kind of. I I didn't really, I didn't find much information on Providence. So I wasn't able to write down my notes, but they just, they just kind of, they played really good defense. They really messed up. Um, Eastern Hancock shooting. Half yeah. of them were in the fall league. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, but I was just that game. I was just kind of watching to watch more so than writing down. But, um, but I knew I did know the Eastern Hancock guys just because I've seen them once this year. But, um, but it just seemed like the uh, defense of Providence really just got Eastern Han- Hancock out of rhythm, and Eastern Hancock just they weren't weren't hitting their threes, and like it's been. Pub- publicly ca- documented from the Indy Star, they shoot a lot of threes, and when their threes aren't falling, it's harder yeah. for them to win. But they were still in the game; like it was, it was extremely close. So, but yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, they led most of the game, and pro- you know, even when Providence did take the lead, it was a one possession game until the very, very end. And and I mean, it was there for Eastern Hancock, and that that game was uncomfortable to watch. I don't know because nobody, neither team, could really get anything going. You know, it wasn't. And you, you didn't look at it like it was different. Like Chesterton, Kokomo, neither team could get anything going, but you knew how, you know, you knew Badunga could really make plays. You knew Grayson could really make plays. So you were, there was some anticipation there that one of those guys would take over. And then that's exactly what happened. Grayson was able to make that happen. And where Badunga was able to do it on the, the defensive end, Grayson eventually got to do it on the offensive end. Providence, Eastern Hancock, you know, Casey Kalen for Providence is, is their best score. He's, he's a tremendous shooter, but he's not a high-volume guy, so he's not out there just hunting shots all the time. He's a guy that still picks his, picks his spots and, and um, you know, isn't a guy that really easily gets into his own shot at, against, you know, a weird kind of spread-out zone defense that Eastern Hancock had. I, 
I thought Providence could have ball screened the top of the zone a little bit more. Um, in fact, I'm not even sure that they did at all, especially when it's so wide up top. Uh, it was almost like Eastern Hancock was was pushing people to the nail hole uh, and then just going to swarm. And, and I, you know, that was um, that left a lot of room. That left a lot of room if there was if the, the center man would have released up and set ball screens that would have provided a lot of room and really put a lot of pressure on uh, the, the middle of that Eastern Hancock defense. But uh, whereas Eastern ball screened the top quite a bit. And when things were going well for them, they were getting action off that. And especially when the guy set the screen, you know, they do play five guys who can all shoot at any given moment. So, you know, they were able to find some opportunities there, but, but Providence obviously prevailed. Uh, you know, they won by eight. And, you know, a lot, a large part because their defense kept them in it. And that's, you know, they, and they'll even tell you that their defense is, is what the cornerstone of their, of this particular team. So, so our matchups next week, I will, we'll probably have a broader podcast leading into the state finals next week. Um, our matchups next week, Lafayette Central Catholic versus North Davies, Central Noble versus Providence, Mishawaka Marion versus Beach Grove. Chesterton versus Cathedral. Any of those games? Which which one of those games are you looking forward the most to see? I I'll, I'll probably have to go with Chesterton versus Cathedral because I'll be very curious. I don't think is Chesterton played at like a near indie team at all this year. Or that they've be not. The first one? No, they we've yeah. talked about that a little bit. Where you know they beat Valpo. The way they you know they, it was a tighter game and Valpo had struggled outside of the region so. You know, so we were all curious what would it be, what would it look like if Chesterton got a chance to play, you know, one of the tough, tougher indie, you know, indie area teams, which we were thinking. Well, I mean, of course, I was thinking it'd been Carmel, <laughs> but you know, it could have also have easily been Fishers or Zionsville or, or Westfield. Um, that's why I was, um, you know, again, you you think you think that um, you know, you kind of w- wondered what. Brandon Smith versus Travis or Braden Smith versus Travis Grayson when it looked like, but Kokomo kind of came in and upset the apple cart a little bit, but uh, yeah, Chesterton is not, they have, now they did play down here, but they didn't play. They played at Noblesville and really even, I think three of their four opponents were from Northern Indiana. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd have to check that or let me check that real quick. I think that um, ah, hit the wrong button. Of course. I think they played like Norwell. And then I don't remember who else. And Northridge. And maybe Crown Point too, possibly. Because I know they were in that tournament. They did yeah, they, they played Northridge, Noblesville, and Norwell. So anything that had an N and an O in it. <laughs> but two of those teams obviously are far or you know, northern Indiana teams that that um, aren't consistently, you know, beating up on each other. But you know, Noblesville had some nice wins, but but really yeah. Chesterton was in control of that game from the midway point of the first quarter. So, um, but then you look at what Chesterton did to crown point and Lake central. I mean, they just throw and, and Hammond central. I mean, they just throttled them, you know, and they did what they were supposed to do when they played those teams. And, um, you watch kind of the way they struggled with South Bend Adams though, early on, especially because, I mean, I saw Adams get destroyed by Greenfield central early in the year. So either Adams played extremely poor against Greenfield Central or just really showed up to play. 
And then Maryville, of course, gave them fits a little bit in the sectional too. So they've they've had some situations where they've been they've had to dig themselves out of it. And I think something like that maybe even prepares them for you know for what they had to face against Kokomo. So you know the game you know the game's never over. You know when you're you know until that buzzer goes off. So, but um, yeah, I would say. I mean, yeah, obviously the 4A game tends to be the headliner, but I, I am looking forward to to um, seeing what Providence's defense will do with Central Noble. Uh, you know, you look at you look at Central Noble, what they did to Carroll, and really Logan Guard didn't have a, a typical uh, type production that he normally has, uh, at least scoring-wise. Uh, the, the North Davies-Lafayette Central Catholic game you know, I, I mean, I'm kind of, you know, you look at, you know, look at North Davies, they'll, you know, Central Catholic will, will be willing to run with, you know, will be willing to run. And it'll be interesting to see if North Davies feels like they need to slow that game down. But they'll, they'll have some issues with, with how skilled Catholic LCC's length, you know, sizes. I mean, yeah. Clark, Clark Barrett is 6'4 and pretty skilled. He's not as skilled as his older brother was, but, but still pretty skilled. Obermeyer's six four, pretty long and skilled. I mean, so they're gonna have they're gonna have some physical pieces that North Davies isn't used to seeing on a regular basis, at least in terms of the multitude, you know, the multiple type players that LCC has. And again, LCC's record, you just gotta throw it out because their schedule is just exceedingly tough for a one A school. So um I mean that's it. Anything else? Who was your best? Who was your best? Who was the best team you saw this week? Let's let's do our weekly thing here real quick. Who was the? What was the best game that you saw? I'd say best game definitely the Kokomo Chesterton. I'd have to give best team to Chesterton as well. Um, I think that just because they kind of sustained play the whole time, that's kind of Cathedral's highs. I think had the best performance, but. Like, but I think consistency, I just, I'd give a little edge to Chesterton, um, but how they did on defense and just kind of just willed their way to win. Grayson played well. I would give them best team of the week. And then uh, under 4A, um, I was really impressed with Beach Grove and how they just looked really solid and deep and they had some, just a lot of depth. They had a lot of good players on their team too. So who, who yeah. was your best, who was the best player, the best performance you saw player wise? Hmm. Um, all right. That's a good question. Um, you can view it as, with, with this, with the number of games and back and forth that we, we probably both were, you can do it a stretch of play or you can do, you know, a whole performance. I mean, I already know what my answer is, but. Yeah. I'll tr- trying to think out of the box. Cause I think the easy answer would be uh, Travis Grayson, but um, I'll, I'll say, I'll give two. I'll give Richard Brooks when I saw him. He was hitting shots and had the very impressive dunk I saw. And then I would say uh, the second one, I'll go with Ashton Williamson's stretch and just yeah. hype for a big time in the game. Even though they lost, I thought he was he looked really good because he's a guy that I haven't seen too much, but I know he's been – or from what I've seen on Twitter, he's been getting some big interest, um, and I wasn't really sure. But he's he's really he's really talented. So yeah. Yeah, my my best game was Beach Grove Sullivan. But that was that was a fun game. Definitely a you know, 
both teams you know, just trying to counteract all the different things the other teams throwing at him and Beach Grove overcoming uh, Anthony Ball, his foul trouble. Best team was Mishawaka Marion. That was the best team I, performance that I saw. And then the best player performance was was Travis Grayson. Uh, but I absolutely agree with you on the um, Ashton Williamson stuff. So, all right, Chris, appreciate it. We're uh, this is maybe, this may be one of our shorter podcasts. Mm-hmm. I think it's because Nick's not here. Nick talks as much as I do, so that that back and forth sometimes gets a little lengthy. But uh, appreciate you watching games. Appreciate you checking in on on this podcast this week. Uh, we'll. Um, are you going down Saturday? Uh, probably. We'll see. Okay. I believe so. Yes. Well, let me know. I think Zach's going to go down. We're going to try and get two credentials. Um, if something changes with Zach, I'll let you know. But uh, you know, definitely want to join. Want us to join. Uh, we, if we do the the state finals preview pod coming up, um, we'll get you on that too. So, other than that, so what's going on with you now? Other than basketball, anything to plug? Anything to pitch? Well, I'm uh, the field events assistant for our track meets, and that starts Tuesday um, for science. And then nothing. I have a new job with uh, before and after care at one of our elementary schools. Nice. And been door dashing, so just. Which uh, you've got a college picked out yet? Yeah, Indiana State. Yep. To do what? Man, basketball manage. Basketball manage. Well, that's not a that's not a major. Well, sports sports management. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Have you already so, got it hooked up at Indiana State for the managing? Yep, yep. Okay. I was going to say, let me know if you don't, because we can get a hold of Coach Graves pretty easily. So. Yep. Excited for that. All right, man. Good deal. Yeah, that that'll be good. That'll be good stuff. So I'll I'll throw in a little word there for you, so they can know they're getting the right guy. So, all right, man. Chris, as always, I appreciate your time, and those that listen every week, we appreciate it, and we appreciate you subscribing. Those that aren't subscribing, we're gonna pull Nick's thing out of what out of out of the dust again what are you doing man hit that subscribe button leave us a rating and review we appreciate it and until next week thanks for listening